When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Expose yourself. Show them what you're all about. Hey, 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 everybody, and welcome to Exposed Dragged Out. I'm your host, Joseph Shepard, and each week we dive into the lives of those individuals who may or may not have been on a RuPaul's Drag Race franchise. It is Classic Tuesday, and today, sorry, that was off-pitch, um, off-key, and never should be done again. Anyway, um, this episode is one of my favorites. It is with... Peppermint from season nine of RuPaul's Drag Race. I absolutely love Peppermint and everything that she does. Um, but there was one thing I didn't like in this interview. It's a very minor thing. But Peppermint was constantly on her phone during this whole interview. And I was so nervous the whole time. I was like, pay attention to me. Pay attention to me. And um, she was always looking down. But she answered every single question appropriately and was fully attentive. So... I mean, I guess if you can multitask, you got to do it well. Uh, anyway, this was a really good episode. Peppermint went into a very interesting story about some behind-the-scenes info on how she actually was eliminated in Season 9. So I would love for you guys to hear that. Listen to the whole thing. Let me know what you think. And um, yeah, so here we go. Let's hit that play button. Well, she was introduced to many of us on season nine of RuPaul's Drag Race, where she proved she was stronger than yesterday as a lip sync assassin. She's a Broadway star, a New York legend, and her music has you wanting more. Her name is Peppermint, and she's about to be exposed. Hey, hey, Peppermint. Hello. Hi, Joseph. <laughs> Hi. How are, how are you doing on this little fine day? I'm doing fabulous. I'm feeling lovely. It's a lovely day out. I'm feeling pretty good. You look gorgeous. You look stunning. Thank you. So I want to dive a little bit into your life. Now, I know that you were kind of, you were born in Pennsylvania, right? And then you That's were raised true. in both Pennsylvania and Delaware? Yep. What it's were true. You, what were you like <laughs> as a child? I don't know. My mom says I was really nice and that I followed the rules and that I was a good kid. I didn't get good grades, but she said I was super talkative, which I, I, I agree. I understand that. I was probably really talkative. I mean, yeah. looking at what <laughs> you and Bob all the time now, you, you probably were like a little bit of a prankster too, a little like goofy. 
I think I was a little goofy. It's very swishy, very, um, you know, my mom told me a story once that I can't even believe, I didn't even, I didn't even remember this, but now that she reminds me, I vaguely remember it. I was in like, I don't remember what grade, like first or second grade. And there was, I guess we had, there was a punishment. We had detention. Like that was a thing. Whatever the earliest grade you can have, like detention. And I think at that age, it's just like, I don't, you don't go out for recess. It's not like you stay after school. But anyway, I was um, being, I was, I had detention because I was super talkative and I was really upset because I, my mom tells me that I I was so upset one day because I came home and I noticed there'd been a pattern of the teacher only punishing the black students and that I got all the kids in the class to sign a petition, but I strategically put all of the white students' names, had them sign first at the top. I was in first or second grade. And and had the white students be like, be the ones who are like, we think this is wrong because then it would, I think I, I obviously understood that 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 they would their their signatures would resonate. And so I got them first and then I asked everybody else to sign and and I just I don't know what happened. I'm sure I, I probably got sent to detention for creating the letter, but I, um, I, my mom told me that story like last week and I was that, like, "Mom, that is crazy, <laughs> but like that's that's very very true to your character and who you are because you are such an advocate, you know, for equality and for trans rights and LGBT rights. It's just like that starting young, first or second grade. <laughs> So that's what I was like. <laughs> now, I know that, you know, you eventually end up getting into drag. When when was that? Like, what year was that? Do you remember how old you were? <laughs> I mean, I feel like the first, the first time I, I guess I could say I, I was officially in drag and there's like photo evidence of it maybe, <laughs> like, was when I was in high school. Um... I mean, there's no photo evidence of it now, but like there was, there was witnesses, you know what I mean? I was in high school. I was in like, I guess, 10th or 10th grade, probably. Um, I've told this story before. There was like a little uh, cross-dressing contest that called the Homely Court that that all the football players and cheerleaders would cross-dress for homecoming, for the homecoming game, for the homecoming, you know, they have that whole thing. They have the game, they have the the homecoming queen and the dance and all that stuff. And so we would, everyone would cross dress. And that was like the tradition. It was my first year um, on the cheerleading squad. And I was like, oh. Um, and so I went to the drama club closet and got all the, the accoutrement and got dressed up. And that was my first official time. And I won the contest. Yes. That was my first official time in drag. But I would say the seed was planted um, way before that. Probably when I was like playing with my grandmother's furs in her closet. Um, or when I dressed up as my favorite Willy Wonka uh, character, Violet Beauregard, the girl who yes. turns into a blueberry from Willy Wonka. And I rolled around the living room in violet drag. And I made my wig, honey. I got orange yarn and I glued it to a piece of paper or something and put it on my head and, and had a little head wig. Honey, I made a wig. I felt so fierce. Bitch, you were getting it at a young age. Darling, still am giving it a young uh, age. Uh, 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 oh, oh, <laughs> oh. 
<laughs> now, um, I had heard that your original drag name was actually Gummy Bear. Is that true? That was my original last name was Peppermint Gummy Bear. Mm-hmm. Wow. And then Peppermint Then came I got a, a divorce. <laughs> yeah, Peppermint came from a crush. His name was James somebody or other. That's what, that's it. <laughs> now, you end up becoming a prominent part of the New York drag scene. How did that even come into play? Because I remember when I lived there, like, I remember your name before Drag Race. Oh, wow. Well, I, I, I don't know. I think I, I, I remember being, you know, a newbie to the, to the drag scene and to the club scene. It was really more the club scene that I was connected to in the States or in the States, in New York. Um, I'm sorry, I'm, I'm in another country right now. Um, and that was, um, you know, I was new. I wasn't getting paid. I, I was like afraid of all the other, the other queens and club performers and, and uh, was trying to break my way in just so that I could like get to know people. And the, my big goal was I, I just wanted to get paid. And you're, I didn't want to get paid. I wanted to not be charged at the door. Um, and so that was my big like, you know, accomplishment. Um, and so then I would remember getting paid a whole $50. And, you know, I guess probably, you know, I got, I got a lot of opportunities to perform and, and appear at different clubs and shows and parties. And, you know, probably because I was only charging $50 that I was so cheap <laughs> and everybody was going around. But eventually you get, you know, people, you're at every party and you've only have $200 in your pocket, um, but everybody knows your name. So that's the trade-off. You either work real cheap at the beginning and everyone and you're everywhere or you're exclusive from the start and expensive and you're making good money per gig, but not overall. So I guess that's the trade-off. Yeah, but I mean, after that, you started like showing up and everything. I remember seeing you on America's Next Top Model as Tyra Banks. You know, I um, I can't even believe that. Yeah, I, I I did I did that. I was on Ugly Betty. I had a chance to make a few little cameos and different things on TV, lots of different TV shows. Uh, I think around that time, it was probably the getting ready. It was the popularity of RuPaul's Drag Race that was just starting. I think two thousand and nine. I don't even know when I did. Tyra's show. I started in 1999 in drag and then I'd been doing it for about 10 years. And so I guess it was around the same time for, for many obvious reasons, drag be, was starting to make a resurgence in terms of popularity. And then more shows were having drag entertainers just like do little bit parts and things here and there. And I mean, I actually, I'm certain that that was before RuPaul's Drag Race because Next Top Model they would have just had a RuPaul's Drag Race girl. <laughs> now that I think about it. So that was definitely before RuPaul's Drag Race. <laughs> um, you, you end up in 2017. You're announced as a contestant on Drag Race. This yes. is where my question comes in. How many times had you auditioned? Uh, that, the time that I got on was my third time auditioning. I made it kind of close uh, before that. Um, but I didn't get on, obviously. <laughs> and then three, three times a charm, third time's a charm, I guess. Third time's a charm. You get on. Do you remember where you were when that phone call happened? I was at home. I was talking to my good girlfriend, Trace Lissette, and we had been gossiping or something. And the phone, something happened. 
And the phone, like at the same time they were calling, the phone call dropped or something. So I didn't realize that it was them. And then I just picked it up and continued with like, anyway, bitch. And it was like, not her, it was them. And they were like, hello. And I was like, oh my God, what, who is this? And they told me. And yeah, then I got on the show. And it was so smooth. It was um, Mandy Salangsang, who is the director. And she, you know, she was just so smooth about it. She wasn't like, I've got news. You're on the show. She was like, so we're gonna, you know, we'd like you to come. Or she was like, so we're, I wanted to call you about your application and um, this and this and that. And uh, do you have the, this thing and that? Oh, okay. Yeah. So when you come, you're going to just go to the thing and then we'll have you. Go. And and it was like, so I was like, wait, what? <laughs> you know, <laughs> you, you walked into the workroom and you had some of your New York sisters there. You had your clack gang. Um, how was it knowing some of the girls before you went in? Well, I wasn't like, I mean, I, I, I was completely unaware of who would be there. So everybody was a surprise. And then when I arrived there, you know, I was just so nervous and focused on what I was doing. I don't even know if if the impact of who all was there in the room settled in as much as it would have had I like called everybody beforehand and talked to them about it. Um, it was, it was interesting. Like I really hadn't worked, I guess there's certain like, there's like, just like hell, there's different levels of drag (laughs) in terms of like where you can work. There's different scenes. And so in New York, it's really, it is easy for it to be working in uh, the scene for a few years and not ever meet someone because it's so crowded and there's so many people. And so that was definitely my case. The places where I had been working, the I had been the only one working there for so long that the, the queens that were had come in a few years after me or might have been considered newer, just we never worked together. So most out of the five New York City queens, um, there's only one of them that I knew very strongly i knew you know period and of all the the girls in our season i I knew of um pheromone because she she at the time she was the most famous of our group on instagram and on social media um and the funny thing is i had worked with i got the call and then the next day i um worked with it was ju it was july and i did an uh did an event that people can look up the pictures for. It's um absolutely fabulous. I guess the movie or something came out. Um and or absolutely fabulous something came out. And I got booked to do the party, the release party for the show with Alexis Michelle, who it was my first time meeting her. Alexis is really good at changing her look and like really committing to a look. And I'm not like I, it's the same look, the same face. You're if it's me, you're gonna know it's me. And so with Alexis, um, I met her for the first time in person. We worked together for the first time. And then like, I got, I, I got the call, went to do the thing. And then I went, walked in the workroom. She looked completely different. So I didn't even know that was Alexis. And she's like, bitch, we just worked together, you know, a month ago at the, at the thing. Cause it was a month later that we went. Um, and I was like, oh my gosh. And she's like, did you just get the call the night before? And I was like, yes. And so Alexis is the only New York queen that I, had met and worked with. And I didn't even realize that. <laughs> <laughs> you, your time on the show was so interesting to me because I remember watching it and I recently just watched it all back again. And, you know, your looks were great. Like your 
club kid look was one of the best looks I think I have ever seen. Should have won that, just going to say. Um, but that was amazing. And you also proved time after time, well, two times, that you were a lip sync assassin. And I want to talk about this Madonna music lip sync. You were wow. in your pink dress. You were in your blonde hair. You come mm-hmm. out and... I remember I ended up downloading that video off the internet and I made a gif of you with your with your gun. I was like, this is the best thing ever. I was like, damn. Oh, wait, you made that gif? Did you make the one? Which one? And how did the gif go? Was it just me? Because somebody took one and then made added fire to I think no, no, one I of the gifts. The fire. I okay, just did the regular, so yeah, you yeah. made the original gift. That yeah. was the original one, and then yeah. someone took yours and added and fire it. to it. <laughs> Girl, did you know in that lip sync like how well it was, like how good you did? I mean, I had a, a feeling of like how I how I was doing. Um, you know, as a, as someone who loves to be. Uh, in a lot in a, in a live performance setting, I'm always aware and kind of searching for the reaction. Any live performer searching for the reaction of the crowd, the people that are around you, and just not even it's less than the reaction. It's more like the kind of change shift in energy mm-hmm. um, that happens in a live show, which we're all craving to get back uh-huh. to. And so I felt like I was just doing a show, and so then I could feel you know, the, the judges, you can, you, you can tell when someone's looking at you. I could feel their eyes. I could feel the, you know, the, their, the warmth that they were starting to send that warm energy in my way. And I could start to, and I could receive that. And then I would just take that energy and become even more bold with it and then spew it back out at them. And then they would take it. I would get, eat it up and spit it right back out. And so that's what, what it feels like, you know, and so I, yeah, I, and I, luckily, I mean, music is not my favorite song by Madonna's, <laughs> but it, it's, I mean, when you think it's kind of a very mellow song, it's not what you think of when you think of like a high energy drag lip sync, it's really slow, you know, it's just like, it doesn't have all the normal, like, it's not that exciting of a song on its own when you're just listening to it. It's more like a layback in, in the cut and chill. And so, but that's not, you're not trying to chill when you're doing a drag thing and so i um i remember being disappointed but also happy because i knew the words to it already so i'm like okay i know this song thank goodness i don't have to learn it i can just focus on like trying to refine my performance and i that was just me sitting and thinking okay you end up in the bottom just be prepared and so that's what it was and it was it was i felt like i had to overcompensate a little bit because my my cynthia lee fontaine my dear sister was in pants. She was in a Madonna look that had pants. I was in, as you mentioned, the pink dress, which was from um, uh, Marilyn Monroe, Jennifer Blonde's um, Material Girl, Madonna's Material Girl. But it was like a tight dress and and it was like a pencil dress. It's like straight down. So I had to hike the dress up above my knees to like where I could at least open my legs. And my whole ass was hanging out the back to the girls. But I was like, bitch, I do not care. You know, because I'm not going to be like a, a like a little mummy on the stage, and so yeah, that was a that was a fun time. I knew after about halfway through the song, I was like, oh, I'm not going home. <laughs> <laughs> 
Looking at your time on the show, what do you think you are most proud of? I'm proud of the connection that I that I forged with the other girls in the show. Uh, we were a pretty close knit group. Um, I, I can't really compare it to any other group because I have only been on one season. But you know, we we were we're all in this together. It's a sisterhood, RuPaul's Drag Race. Uh, we have this unique experience, but we we had the opportunity to sort of bond even after the show collectively because there was a few big moments that happened that we would all call each other, communicate, and, and you know, of course, we're on a group. We're still on a group text chat, and and so you know. Those moments, like um, the things that you can't plan for, like switching networks in the middle of our, you know, like we we filmed it on Logo and it aired on RuPaul's Drag Race. We premiered it with a Logo party. Um, And so when we went to the premiere, it was like, you're doing this on Logo. And then in the middle, they're like, you're doing it on, on, on VH1. And we're like, what? And then like, so everyone had to prepare for that. And that was big at the time because it hadn't been on VH1. It wasn't as mainstream. VH1 is obviously a more mainstream channel. And, you know, so a whole new set of things had to come in and we were confused and and there was last minute and the girls were like, what is going on? Um, Wendy Williams was our, was the the host of our thing, which oh, was so t- bizarre. Was it two episodes? And it was like... It was like, it was like three or four episodes. It was more than two episodes. Yeah. It was so bizarre. I mean, I don't remember exactly, but it was, I, I was like, what? I was like, what? And and our show was only fitting into a 40-minute slot. So w- when it first, it was like, when it first aired, I think it was like, okay, we'll give you a little bit of time in between, you know, Mob Wives 1 and Farm <laughs> Wives 2. But we really didn't have a whole hour and a half like these days. It's like an hour. It's like a. It's a, the evening. You're spending the evening with RuPaul, and we didn't do that. We ours was like in and out. They cut out. We didn't have mini challenges. We didn't have. Um, you know, we had like one or two min. We only had mini challenges when it, when there was like four of us there. I think the first one people saw was like the puppets. Yeah. Um, we didn't have any other. Like there was not a lot of dialogue, and there was one. Um, I remember there was one runway. It was earlier on in the season, but there was one runway where they like s- literally only showed each girl's like a snapshot of each girl, like here, here, this is my and like girl to girl. Um, and the fa- uh, online people got so upset because nobody could see the the runways. There was no walking. There was no walking. It was just there, <laughs> and then they had to release an extended runway on the, on the internet. Because we, our show fit into, with commercials, like 42 minutes. So the whole episode was like 30 minutes. <laughs> that is, that's actually crazy you say that because I was wondering for the longest time why your season would be like runway, fast, 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 fast. And then it was like... Yeah, boom, 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 boom. And it was done. They were cramming our show in. And then everything that, all this stuff, this is the thing. You remember the iconic pictures and you remember the, that, the makeup job that someone did like you, you see those things and those things like you come for that, but what you really are getting and, and what I think people enjoy and why they have feelings around the show is all of the conversation and the, and the connection and the, what, what somebody, what some girls laughed at and part of their personality. And you know, the, the time when that girl gave her that weird side, eye look, but that was all erased from our season. It was just, hi, runway out, go. And, and so people didn't have the chance to get to know us. And I think that a lot of people 
that's they, they kept the things that they thought would be the strongest. I guess I'm not speaking for the editors. And so with our season, it didn't have the same impact that a lot of the other seasons had um, in the re- in real time. But then now I hear from people that say they keep going back and watching it and they're like, wow, I didn't realize. And so a lot of stuff that was happening for the first time that was like revolutionary, like us doing this four-way lip sync smackdown, we were the only first ones to do that. And we were unprepared. You go, I watched this year, the girls had preparation in a, in a way that we didn't, you know. Um, preparation with standing? W- w- preparation with doing the, wait, what? I said preparation with standing oh. because I felt like they all just stood there. Okay, I, I, I no comment. Yes! But I could tell that they all knew going into it that there was going to be a, a, to- a top four. In the final, um, I guess the the second to last episode, um, they could t- you they were kind of you could tell that I believe that they were like assuming I think they went there and assuming that there would be a fi- a top four yeah, and I think that's what people expect. There's no reason for them to expect otherwise. We went there thinking there's going to be a top three, and at that fi- at that last episode, we were like, well, one of us is going home, and I don't know who it's going to be. Because we all did a fabulous job on this last episode of Category Is, um, where we all had to sing a song and write write wor- words to it. And we, I was like, I don't know who it's going to be, but this is going to be messed up. And so that's how we all felt. And we had we, and I was the one who was eliminated. Um, but then they called us back in and said, let's just film some other endings just in case. And so we did. And I was kind of like, yeah, right. And they filmed one where we all stay. <laughs> and um and and go move on to a final four. And so then that's what it was. And we didn't know what it was going to be. They were just going to air whichever one they wanted. And so that's how they do with, with some of those things. They shoot more than one and then and so we I was expecting to go home. And we were watching the, I was watching with everyone else and discovered at the same time as everyone else, oh, I'm going to the final four. And then I got a call you're going to the final four. It's going to be some kind of crazy stuff we've never done before. We've never had a final four. So just get ready, bitch. And that's what it was. And then we show up and, and there's like, here's 14 songs to, to learn just in case you have to do one of them. <laughs> and wait, so I'm like, wait, the okay. Was that big? It had a lot of songs? It was like eight songs. It was certain. It wasn't, they, we, they only used three. So it wasn't three songs. They gave us like um, so many songs and then switched them out last minute. Um, and so, you know, I've said this before, the outfit that I wore for Stronger was actually designed for Christina Aguilera's Fighter, which was, that's the song it would have been, but they swapped it for Stronger. And I'm like, oh, it's obviously has a similar feel, but I was like, damn it. Um, but it worked, obviously, you know. <laughs> yeah. And I, I think it was funny, too, because I was at the finale that night. And I, looking back on it, there's the part, of course, where Sasha's petals come down and Uh it cuts to the audience and I was in the audience and I'm like clapping, but I was actually clapping for your reveal and they just like edited it to Sasha's part. And I was like, no, that was Pepper's reveal. (laughs) I was like, because I was like, no, no, because it was, it was actually funny, like watching because the... Watching those things in the actual theater is such a different experience than watching it on camera and yeah. or watching it on TV. And when Sasha did her pedal thing, it wasn't that big of a deal. It's kind of like the year after uh, when Asia O'Hara did her butterflies and I was standing there like, 
what what happened? You got to see it on the TV to get to it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but did you guys, you guys kind of set the bar in what this lip sync for the crown was, you know, you had your reveals and then in season 10, you had everybody in these humongous like outfits ready to reveal 500 times. How, how long did you have to prepare for it? For the finale? Probably a couple of weeks. I mean, it probably took that long to make the outfit. So I'd say a couple of weeks. I think we found out around the time that 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 episode aired is when I found out that the the episode of the the category is, which is episode 12, I think of ours, that we got the call. And it was like, you, you might be, you should be prepared. You might be on the thing. So this is what you have to do just in case you're on the finale. So it was like that. They kind of walked us baby, baby steps. Um, we're not saying that you're on the finale, but if you are, then you're going to need to know these songs and have these things prepared. So that's what I did. And then obviously I found out. So I was kind of already semi-prepared. And then and then it was just a matter of like locking some of that stuff in place. Um, and I didn't even, it's I didn't have long, let's just put it this way. I had exactly enough time to have that, to talk to the designer about what I wanted, to have them make it, and then to have them drop it off my house. There was, which anybody who ever has ever had clothes made custom, the process is a lot longer than that. You have to try it on, you have to fit it, you have to see what works. And so it fit because we have the right measurements, but I didn't know how it was going to work. And it actually didn't work properly, my reveal outfit, because the 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 mechanism to make it reveal was was a, was not working properly. It was really weak. So we had to pin it, safety pin it. And so I was like, actually, un- it's not easy to close and open a safety pin behind your back. And that's what I was doing in my, um, in the performance. Um, and so, and people, some people criticized me for not like not doing a cartwheel or not like giving it a hundred percent at the very beginning. I'm like, if I had done that, my whole outfit would have fallen apart. And so I, so I decided to save it for, for a key moment. It was, it was so worth it. That reveal, it actually looked flawless. I would have never been able to tell that you had a safety pen. Um, recently, you had said that when you got to the top four, the fan reaction that you received, you received some hate for getting into the top four. I did. I did get, I mean, a lot of people thought that I was this sympath. so interesting and bizarre. Some people, I mean, there was, I'm, I'm not a big reader of the comments, but some of them were pervasive. So they kind of just were like, we're going to insist. Um, <laughs> And there were some comments that were like, oh, when oh they put Peppermint on the show, oh, she's not that interesting. She's going to go home first. And when I didn't go home first, they were like, oh, well, she's trans. Well, they're just letting her through because she's trans. There's nothing. And I was like, oh. And then when I got to the finale, people were like, oh, well, that's a plant. They put her there because they really love trans people on the show. And that, you know, she she's not really supposed to, whatever. And I'm like, oh, my Lord. Um, wow, it has nothing to do with just me and my own merits, sending people home based on my, it's not like those people volunteered to go home after there's lip syncs, you know what I mean? Like I, I sent them home. <laughs> exactly. Um, <laughs> and, you know, and I, granted, I didn't have, I did not have a lot of, I didn't, I only had one win. Um, in the whole season. So I, I understand that people were upset. And I think in the past, the, the show had been sort of scored more mathematically, at least it was easier to see that. 
this person has more wins and then they end up being the winner. It makes sense. Um, and there's people who haven't lip synced at all who, you know, who either end up going home or whatever, you never really know. Um, and so it was, there were, there were some people who, you know, they had a little stank face about it, whatever. <laughs> you, you mentioned that, you know, fans were a little, whatever, butthurt and people were giving, you know, saying that, oh, it's just because she's trans, you know, that's why she gets through. You opened up fully about your life on this show. You know, you went into detail and that was such a pivotal moment, especially for me, like seeing somebody talk so um, openly about themselves. And that was the first time that I actually think that I saw, beside I think like Chaz Bono back in like Surreal Life or something like that, that there was somebody on television that I was like, wow, this is somebody else in my community that I have not heard a voice from before. Like, I'm so used to one side of, you know, being in Atlanta or doing this, but I had never heard such an open and honest conversation. Did you feel well, pressure? To have that conversation? Mm -hmm. mm, you know, I was already out as trans bef years beforehand. So there was no like ability for me to like talk about my life as if I wasn't mm -hmm. trans and out. Um, and so I knew that when I was preparing to go for the show, I had to mentally prepare for, okay, you're going to have a conversation about being trans at some point, because it's not something that's that typical on the show. And there certainly are lots of girls who have appeared on the show who, who are trans, who identified as trans. And um, certainly there's definitely some who've come out as trans since then, but there weren't a lot of examples to look to. So I, do, I, I knew that it was not the con the norm. Mm -hmm. And so and by that regard, I really wanted, I felt some pressure. For, I wanted to perform well. I wanted people in the trans and the LGBTQ community to be proud of me. And I wanted, um, I also wanted, I knew that the show had a mainstream audience mm -hmm. and, and I wanted those folks to, to be able to see someone who's trans just doing their thing, especially just coming out of, you know, 2016 and 20, 2015 and 2016, there was a lot of conversation online about what words that were appropriate words to use that also describe the trans community, transgender people, and whether or not those words should be on the show, because they had been featured on the show before. And uh, I remember the backlash. There was, there was like some statements in the news and some stuff that was really harmful. Um, some stuff I think was just not very empathetic. And it certainly didn't make me feel like, well, let, come on, trans girls, let's go to drag race. Because it was not, that was not the feeling. <laughs> but they called, I had, I had already sent in my audition tape and they called me. Um, and so I, you know, said, let me make sure I put a good foot forward and, you know, do my best to talk about it. And of course I was worried because I didn't know who these queens would be that I was going to be in the room with. But when we, you know, sat down and had a conversation, I discovered that they were very, very just open. And they're also a bunch of queer, gender expansive people themselves, some non-binary folks. Um, you know, five or six of the girls on the show at the time identified as non-binary, which I had never seen on Drag Race either. And so I was like, okay, this is the right cast for me. <laughs> 
you you mentioned like you know there was like the phrases and things that you know people kind of got upset about you know the she male and stuff like that looking at your time on the show and then what came after and there were mm -hmm. comments that were made about like performance enhancing drugs and the olympics and stuff like that <laughs> did that kind of feel like a slap in the face to already be on the show and then that set after yeah, it did. Um, I'll have to say, I think it did feel like a, a little bit of a slap in the face, mostly because, um, you know, I, I I made sure that I wanted to make sure that my performance on the show was it, it's just so strange. You like the, it was somewhere between if you're a trans woman and you do drag, then it's not it's you're, you know, it's boring and we don't want to see you because you're just a woman. And, you know, and, and, you know, you're, you're, you don't have for some, you don't have the zeal and zest. It's not as exciting. And then you go from that to, oh, but if you are on the show, it's cheating because you've had surgeries and, and you've had your lips plumped and your, and your curves, your hips curvy and your, in this done it. And a trans person who has surgery is cheating because they're not using makeup. It's just be makeup, manly men turning into makeup. And I'm like, wait a minute, what, what detox? Mm -hmm. you know on my season trinity i mean there's so many folks who regardless of how they identify are very vocal about having had plastic surgery to enhance their body for when they're in drag and they go to the same doctors that trans girls do what is the difference <laughs> <laughs> Um, I, I do want to ask you to clear up one rumor that I saw, and if you do not want to speak on it, I can easily edit this out. Is it okay. true that the show asked you to go off hormones when you were on there? The show did not ask me to do anything with my hormones. Um, I, w I knew I was going to go film a show and I, the situation was that I knew long story short, when you are on a medication and you know that you're going to travel for more potentially more than a month you're packing it's not like i could pack there and only bring an, one night's worth of stuff and then be like oh i have to go back home and get more you're stuck there you don't have a phone you're closed off so everything you're going to need and do has to be taken care of before you go and so i in, in an attempt to kind of streamline my life <laughs> instead because i wasn't gonna be able to go to the doctor and get prescriptions refilled and go and do that so i just um, did a really big dose <laughs> of the medication, which with my doctor was, was safe and it lasted me the entire time that I need. And you go being on hormones or not is life-saving and is crucial, but it's only, it's mostly, it's life-saving for the mental health of primarily of, of people who are trans. I mean, that that is connected to physical, but it's not like it was like heart medication or something, you know? And so whether going on or off doesn't mean that, I, oh, I did, I skipped my um, treatment today. I'm not trans just for today. Like what? You know, it's, I'm still the same person. And so I think, you know, people were so, I knew that people would be really hung up on this conversation about trans people being passable and looking like a convincing woman. And in order to do that, you have to have hormones and surgery. And until you do that, you're just a man. And I think that's what the conversation had been. And I knew that like, even with all of the surgery, there's some people that are like, you can get all the surgery you want. You're still a man. 
And so I wanted to remove that other people giving me permission to be a woman based on what they think about the surgeries that I may or may not have had or the hormones that I may or may not have taken. I'm a woman because, I, because I'm a woman. And I tell you I'm a woman, that's what it is. Not because I did a dose that you thought I could do or that I, oh, you're not doctors, you know what I mean? So, you know, who cares what my prescriptions were? Like, as long as I was healthy and feeling good about myself, then that's what, that's all it needs to be taken into consideration. <clears throat> but this whole entire conversation about trans people um, being allowed into spaces, be, we'll give you permission if you convince us that, that you're doing enough of the work to make us feel comfortable about your appearance. That is a crock of... So no, the show did not ask me to do anything. There really wasn't much conversation about much <laughs> going on to that show. They were like, hi, you're on the show. Here's your ticket. Don't bring this and bring this and we will see you there. That's it. And so I don't think anyone got, I mean, you know, I would be very upset if I'd found out that they were having conversations about all of the girls, medications and dosage, except for mine. Then that would be something to talk about. But we weren't. I don't think they were going down and like, so did you take your, um, your diabetes medication? Today? Like they weren't doing that. What is this conversation? So, <laughs> so no, they did not, you know, they did not ask me about it. <laughs> well, thank you for clearing all that up because the internet was going crazy about it. Crazy. Um, crazy. So you get off the show and you start all of this stuff under your belt. You take everything that you had on the show and you just start becoming your best self. You um, you end up on Broadway, girl. Like, what, what was that experience like? It was a great experience. Uh, I don't, I can't even say I ended up on Broadway because I, you know, it was a very difficult and um, it was almost as hard as doing RuPaul's Drag Race. And it was so stressful, lot, late nights, a lot of work, a pure exhaustion, mental exhaustion. Um, you know, doing a, doing a drag show is like running a marathon, you know, and doing doing RuPaul's Drag Race is like several marathons in a week. And eight shows in a, in, in a week is a lot. And I thought that was a lot until we got to our Christmas schedule, which was 15 shows in nine days. No. That was not, I, I was not ending up on Broadway. I was thriving on Broadway. <laughs> um. <laughs> And so, but, but I did have that opportunity. And I think one of the things that I'm really grateful for that drag race gave me the opportunity to have a higher profile and reach more people and more people were aware of who I was and the things that I was already doing. And so then by the time that they turned on the lights, I was just already doing those things. I was always speaking out on behalf of the community. I was always, you know, in, interested in charity and advocacy. I was always I was just, but I get it. You know, that's when people are introduced and that's how they're, they, they meet you. And so I'm, I got lots of opportunities to do lots of things and I tried my best to do all of them. <laughs> I mean, I'm you, still you, trying. You, you were on poses, Miss Euphoria. Like you, you were, you're doing it. And I think you're also on what? The board of GLAAD too? I'm on the board of directors, the national board of directors for GLAAD. And um, I also just accepted a position with the ACLU as their um, ambassador to trans justice. Uh, 
Um, it's a long title, so I'm trying to like <laughs> say it really shortly. Um, and so, yeah, I've, I've had a lot of great opportunities to to con- to contribute to the conversations um, that are happening. You know, there's so many laws and policies that are being passed right now. I think 35 states um, are passing, are looking to pass or are passing or planning or plotting and scheming uh, against us, Mm -hmm. (laughs) against the trans community. And so it's important that people have um, as much information as possible so we can all engage in in the conversation in in a productive way. I think that's so amazing of you to do because I think the conversations that you are bringing around are very at a level of people understanding, if that makes sense. Like, it's not so complex that my mom in Tennessee is not going to be able to understand it. And I think that's just, Mm -hmm. it's it's incredible of you. Like, I I give you so many props because I think that we need more people like you in our community. Um, Thank you. Of course. Uh, let, let's get into a little bit about um, some little person that you do videos with. Their name is Bob. Little, little person. Yeah. Oh, Bob. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, do I do? <laughs> do, do? Do I do videos with a little, <laughs> little person? <laughs> how, how long have you known Bob? I've known Bob since Bob would probably be able to tell me better than I could, but I've known Bob at least for 10 years, what's it, 2000? I think I probably met Bob around, whenever Bob moved to New York, and I don't remember when that was, but probably around about 10 years. <laughs> how, how is it working with him? You go, you always seem like you guys have so much fun. You always go viral, I feel, after any video that you do. <laughs> I mean, did you, did you end up seeing that article? What article? In Instinct Magazine? <laughs> <laughs> shut up (laughs) that was slick and smooth of you darling i like it a lot um yes i saw that article uh the uh, i guess you know we have a really good relationship and a really good connection obviously and so we we don't always plan we certainly never plan for any kind of viral moments but we we just click you know and I think Bob has that kind of relationship with with a lot of people, you know. You you have your pet talks. You have been the past mm-hmm. month and a half, two months, been talking with Caswell about the real world reunion, the, which I love so much. It is so good. Have you watched it? Yes, I have watched. Did it. you I saw your Heather picture? <laughs> <laughs> Did you watch The Real World when it first came out? Probably not. You're a baby. I'm a baby. I, it actually premiered the year that I was born. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but but I rewatched um, all the seasons, and then I rewatched one, and then rewatched the that, and that was mm-hmm. it was beautiful. It was just so cool. Mm-hmm. But it also was so sad to see that in that time frame, almost thirty years later, literally nothing has changed. I think something has changed. I think that we, we indiv- as individuals, have changed. Uh, I certainly think that they're, they're having the conversations and things that were happening on the show 30 years ago. I think they're having them in a no- more nuanced way. For people who watched the Homecoming uh, series, that, you know, even those who, the people who participated in those conversations, 
were taking a little bit of a different approach than they, than they would have 30 years ago as kids. And so I do think that the conversation is, I guess what's, what you're right. It's, it's interesting that we're still talking about these things, but I do think that the reason why we haven't, the reason why we're still talking about them is because everyone wasn't involved in the conversation that needed to be. Mm-hmm. Back then it was, people were not, were barely listening and they were just, you know, the, if someone was talking about injustice, they just look crazy. Mm-hmm. And that's what it was. But now I think that we have a different understanding of uh, a lot of these issues and people are finally understanding that like, look, we're all like, regardless of how you think about, you know, race and racism, sexuality, gender, politics, the climate, mm-hmm. it's affecting all of us at all times. Like any shift, it affects all of us. Now you can either ignore it or you can have a different opinion about it or what, but it does have an effect. And so I think it just took that long. It took 30 years for people to, to have the conversations that we're having after in 2020. And so now it seems like it's starting to sink in for a lot of people that someone else's perception of this and experience is one that I'm not necessarily having, but maybe it's worth listening to them when they talk about how they're affected by my actions. You're, you're always so real. You're real when you speak. I love that about you. It just come, it flows. It flows. <laughs> like I can listen to like, ASMR me, Pepper Man. That's what we need to happen. So, <laughs> the blue bird, the blue jay walks across the field to get there. <laughs> <laughs> you in October, you released an EP. You had a girl like me, letters to my lovers. And you... Mm-hmm. When you put that out, I know that I had also heard that you had a plan for two more. Is that still the plan? Oh, yes, indeedy. It sure is. We, uh, that the, the whole project, Letters to My Lovers is the project. And um, it's about my previous relationships um, that I've had, particularly in one relationship in particular, but also my love life. Um, and it's about the beginning and the middle and the end of that relationship, the ups and downs, the highs and lows. And so the first album was the beginning and the second is the middle and then the end. Um, and so the middle comes out uh, this spring along with a short film um, uh, that I uh, produced and um, star in. <laughs> uh, uh, that Basically, it's kind of like my Beyonce moment. It's my, mm. it's my lemonade. It's my lemonade. visual album. Um, and that's part one of the film. There's a part two that we start go into filming. And believe me, y'all are going to see a different side of peppermint. Ooh. Oh my God. Is it a good side of peppermint? I or think is it so. the peppermint I hope so. that's in your grandmother's purse at church? No, it's the peppermint <laughs> that's it. It's, <laughs> I like peppermints in my grandmother's purse. Um, no, it's, it's a little bit more of, of the, um, one of the things that I think what I wanted to do in the first portion of this film, which you can see maybe hints of in the music videos that are connected to the film, um, is to have a little bit of, to get in touch with the vulnerability and to be, try to be a little bit more open on camera and to allow people in, in a way that I hadn't really done in other things. And so we went all the way, we went, we went there for the first portion of this, which is, there's no dialogue. It's a short film. 
Um, and the music videos are taken from that. And so people can see a little preview of that. Um, and I think I got in touch with some of those things. Well, now for part two, because it's the middle and the end of the relationship, which the, the most, those are the times that are the most emotional. Um, we're going to go all the way there. So I, we just actually had a, a writing session this morning with, um, for our script. And it's, I love it. So that's, that's so exciting. <laughs> are you involved in the whole creative process? Like, like writing and the music and everything you're like, yeah, yeah, <laughs> I am. Um, I'm, pr- I'm producer on all of it. Um, I've co-written everything. I have writing partners and producing partners, but I'm very much involved in the creation of the music. And I have to be, because this isn't like someone saying, Peppermint, we have a song for you that you might like. This is me writing my life story into an album. And so, and a movie. So I'm there, the first one there and the last one there. Well, I cannot wait to <laughs> see that. Me neither. And I'm going to little like put my, uh, my hand in my grandmother's purse and take that peppermint out. <laughs> what do you think the biggest misconception of you is? Oh my gosh. My things are coming out of my thing. Um, I don't know. I think the biggest misconception of me is probably that I'm the short and that I'm rich. The opposite of those two things couldn't be more true. <laughs> short and rich? I think people think I'm short and rich. How, how tall are you? I'm over six feet. Yeah, that's far from <laughs> short. <laughs> and I'm poor. No, I'm not. I can't say I'm poor. Um, but I'm certainly not rich. At least, yeah. you know, not by my... <laughs> Well, there you I'm go. At fans. the Ramada. If, if you type, <laughs> if you type in the the Google search bar, Peppermint's net worth, it's not true according to Peppermint. <laughs> oh yeah, I don't think that that exists. Is that real? Oh no, <laughs> it's definitely not true, honey. <laughs> um, looking at what is to come for 2021, you you mentioned your music and the video. Is there anything else down the stream that fans should know about? Yeah, well, we have a remix. Uh, album that just came out, which is a remix of the first album, all the re- top remix hits from um, Electro Point Music and uh, AJ Seeley. We have, uh, I, I really love the remixes. It's like the, the whole album, the whole project is a 90s and early 2000s R&B, you know, throwback. And so uh, we wanted to kind of also touch on some of that in the remixes so the remixes are out now for people to tap their toes to and um and yeah i mean that's that's all i have to come down the pike there's definitely some big announcements that are on their way but can't drop them just yet wait i will i will have a link below in the description box so you can click and purchase and stream peppermint's music um my last question for you is what is a message or words of wisdom that you have for our beautiful lgbtqia plus community i don't know you know i think uh i think I, I don't know that I have anything to say that I haven't said before as a message to them, but I want to reiterate that in the midst of the last four years and then continued attacks on, on the specifically the trans community, um, in the midst of all that, we will get through it. We will prevail. We've been through some tough times before. We 
know how to to get through this. And so, what? But what we can t- what we could use is, I guess, I'm more interested in speaking to people who consider themselves allies to our community. Get up off your damn ass and help us because we are being attacked. The black ones of us are being murdered on TV, on YouTube, on Facebook, on Insta- like that's where you go for your entertainment, not to see us get killed. And then the trans black folks of us aren't even being talked about in that same context, but we're being murdered as well. Last week, uh, I can't can't remember her name. Uh, there was another murder of a black trans woman just like three days ago, you know. And so it's we need people saying that they're an ally is nice, but we really do need people to wake the rest of their families up. Have these conversations with your families. Have these conversations with your coworkers and friends. Bring up, do you know about, you know, Black trans women being killed? This is what's happening. And then let them know that a lot of the things that they might say and do could have an impact on someone's thinking about how they think about trans people or gay people or Black folks or queer folks or whatever. And so, you know, one thing that could help with that is people going out and watching Disclosure on Netflix. Um, It was snubbed for an Oscar. Um, I have nothing to do with the film, but I really love it. I think it's seminal viewing for everyone to be able to see, um, you know, and on that same regard, uh, you know, um, The Celluloid Closet, people should read and look at that movie. Um, Visible on, I think, was on Apple TV by Wilson Cruz. There's a few movies that fit into this, films and movies and projects that fit into this um, way of being able to entertain you, but also give you some much needed education. And so please engage in that. Don't just say, oh, black movies are for black folks to watch and gay movies are just for some gay folks to watch. And, you know, and I'm not any of those things. So I like, don't do that because it's, it, it's a, it's a, it's one domino in the whole domino effect that ends up affecting negatively other pe- the people in those communities. And if you could take your domino out of that domino effect, would you do it? That's the question. Yeah, and I always tell people too, like if you are in our humongous community, step outside of your letter. Because I feel like a lot of people are always in our community can get stuck in one in their letter and they never want to go and mm-hmm. look at the other, you know, see what is happening outside of your horse blinders. Um, well, thank you so much, Peppermint, for being here and exposing yourself. <laughs> I enjoyed every bit of it. Thank you for all your words of wisdom. I almost did expose myself. My oh, you did. boobs I, came off the quite, thing. Quite a few times this episode. <laughs> uh, where can everybody find you on the socials? Peppermint 247 everywhere. All right. Well, I'm Joseph Shepard, and that is the beautiful Peppermint. Until next time, see ya. Expose yourself. Show them what you're all about. You're right.